All right. Happy. It's Wednesday, not Friday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. And we are back with another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we're exploring the landscape of learning tech, cutting through the fluff and really helping you get the answers you need to do digital learning right. So today I'm joined by Yvonne Chen and she's from Udemy for Business. I think I pronounced that correctly. And we're talking digital content, upskilling, all sorts of good stuff. If you're joining us live, go ahead, give us a thumbs up share the post, tagging somebody. I'm going to have to remember and go back and tag some people because I know I've gotten some messages saying, hey, make sure you tag me on this one. Uh, and bring in some people who would enjoy, benefit from the conversation. Also, while you're at it, comment in, tell me and, and Yvonne, let us know where you're joining from. I'm in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Last time I was live, it was snowing. Today it is in the 60s, which for us Midwesterners is extremely hot. Uh, and it is it is sunny out there in, in the curtain behind me. How about you, Yvonne? I'm uh, joining you from the Bay Area. So sunny Northern California, typically, although today is a little bit overcast. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But it, it won't last, right? It won't last. No. Won't uh, last. We've had like record heat actually over the last couple of, of days. And then finally we got a little bit of rain, which we need. Um, and then hoping for maybe a little bit more rain today. And then it'll probably be sunny again. Okay. Yeah. So I, I haven't lived in California, but I used to travel there a lot for work. I used to implement a lot of software in hospital systems out there. And one of the things I always liked about California was right, the consistency in temperature. For the most part, you have your ups and downs, but I really enjoyed, I did enjoy the weather. You, you have there's a lot of consistency weather. in the Bay Area, in Northern California, there's a lot of microclimates though. So you could okay. drive like, you know, 15 miles and all of a sudden it's like 15 to 20 degrees different. Really? So, okay. Yeah, it's interesting. See, learn something new every day. So I was not <laughs> aware of that. Okay. So before we start talking about the learning tech piece, right? Question, your question, you've had, you've had some time to prepare for it. And everybody watching, comment in on yours too. I'd love to hear what yours is. But if, if I were to pull up, and I don't know if you listen to Spotify, Pandora, it really doesn't matter. Maybe you have a legacy iPod, whatever your jam is. But if I were to take it, and pull it up. What song or songs would be would be in your recent played? Um, so recently played are a couple of things. So my team we have a um, a marketing hype list where everyone chooses their like walk on song. Essentially, if you were to walk onto a stage, what's your what's your walk on song? So um, I've been playing that, and there's a couple of songs on that on that playlist that I really like. There's Bad Boys for Life. And then there's a shoop by salt and pepper. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my walk on song. Okay. And, um, uh, but other, other things we've been listening to my husband and I really like Van Morrison okay. and then we've been listening to the Beatles too. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you got it. You got a pretty wide variety. Yeah. I, I gotta say respect, respect to that. So mine is too, right? Mine is, mine is all over the place. It's funny. You mentioned salt and pepper because, yeah. uh, I actually have had, I've been on a kick. It actually was by accident to give my nine-year-old a hard time. I was playing push it. And anyway, it stuck, but then the algorithm started playing a bunch of songs that I went, what, what, this is like the greatest playlist ever. Great. So now I keep push it in, in my playlist so I can do that. But if I were to actually pull up my most recent, it's actually super simple songs. <laughs> and it's only because my, my three-year-old daughter was with me when I was working out today and she didn't want to listen to Metallica or anything like that. And so we ended up, we ended up actually having super simple songs on, which is, 
I got to say, it's a little bit hard to work out to that, but we made yeah. it work. We made okay. it work. That's so, good. yeah, yeah. But wide variety, wide variety is similar to you. So, all right, well, let's, let's transition over and you're coming to us from Udemy, which for folks who may not know, there's Udemy, the consumer side, if I'm not mistaken, and then there's Udemy for business. And one of the big things before we really get into it, well, actually, first question is this, how do you define what Udemy is, even before we split the two? Like what, what is the category you would put yourselves in? Yeah. So, I mean, at a very high level, I would say, you know, we're an education technology company. Um, but in like one sentence, essentially, Udemy is um, the largest online destination for learning and we're the largest online learning marketplace. And I can explain a little bit more about what that means. But yeah, do it. Um, let's, let's hear it. What largest online marketplace. But if there's more to your answer, go to go yeah. to that one first. Um, no, I mean, so we we have um, Udemy was founded in 2010 and we were uh, founded as a consumer first online learning marketplace. And so what that means is that we have essentially built a two sided marketplace. Like if you think about Uber riders and drivers, Etsy, where you're buying and selling goods from you know individual providers. We do the same thing, but we do it for learning content. Okay. And so we have um, basically uh, amassed a um, large network of experts around the world that create really, really great content on, you know, trending topics and skills. And then we deliver that content and we essentially help um, learners, people around the world uh, discover and match with the right content that they may need at that moment of time. Okay. And so that's essentially what I mean by marketplace where we're we're connecting instructors around the world and students around the world and helping them learn new skills um, and achieve whatever goals that they may be aiming for. Okay. So there's two halves of it. There's the author kind of creator side of things where people yeah. are actually creating their their content, their courses. And then there's the consumer side where you're aggregating, curating all of that content and then yeah. actually delivering it out to the consumer. Exactly. Okay. So that's on the, right. That's on the consumer side. So then there's Udemy for business and you're coming from the Udemy for business side of the house. Yeah. How, how do those two differentiate or what, what makes them unique in the space? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, Udemy for business is our um, business subscription product that we offer to companies and organizations around the world. Um, we also offer the product to governments around the world. And essentially what we do is we take the top rated or the best um, rated content on udemy.com on the consumer, you know, marketplace essentially. And then we curate it further. Um, and we focus specifically on like professional skills, technical skills, business skills. Um, we also have a personal health and wellness category as well, because that's very, very important for the workplace these days. Um, and we curate that into a business account essentially. And so if you're a company, you get a unique account that account includes all of these courses that you can integrate with your single sign-on um, uh, technology, or you can do like API data integrations and your employees can hop in and hop out whenever they want, take however many courses that they want um, 
for however many times that they may need it. And they can access it um, on demand, online and offline, on mobile and on desktop. Um, There's a couple other key differentiators, I would say, like when we look at the needs of people facilitating learning in a company or in an organization, you know, there's a lot of different needs there. You need analytics, you need insights, um, you need data integrations. So we offer all of that through the business um, uh, product. And then we also have like a course creation platform. So you yourself as a practitioner or a leader, you can create your own content, upload it and host it on Udemy as well. And you can offer that as part of your Udemy for business product. And then we have other features too, learning tabs and well, so we'll dig into them, right? Because I, I, that, that's part. I, I'm I'm very curious in digging into all yeah. this stuff. But in in summary, with it, if I'm complete, well, and actually, I have a couple follow up questions to that. Yeah. So if we look at the, if you look at the kind of, because your your consumer marketplace is massive. I mean, yeah. massive. And sometimes in the content space, it can be, it is overwhelming when you're like, holy smokes, this is a lot. So. You're curating that down. You're paring it down on the business end. How, I'm just curious, how do you actually do that? How do you decide? I mean, you mentioned top rated, but is there a specific process you follow to say, hey, this content is not relevant for the business? And what if a business says, you're not supposed to do double barreled questions, but I'm going to. What if a business says, hey, this is something that maybe got curated out, but we found, you know, and it is valuable. Is there a way to kind of go around that? So I'll I'll toss those two over the fence. All good questions. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, Udemy.com is massive, 150,000 courses on like anything you pretty much want to learn. When they say like, there's an app for that, you can do the same thing and apply to course for that. There's a course for that. Bread baking, gardening, like tech skills, certifications, like you name it, we have it. Um, And that's been created by the experts around the world. So like over 57,000 experts around the world have created that content and it's constantly being updated. And that that course catalog essentially on the udemy.com consumer side is increasing all of the time. Um, It's really important, like you said, for us to curate the best content for companies because there are additional requirements that companies have. There's policies, there's, you know, legal requirements that we need to take into consideration. There are um, quality, additional quality um, metrics that we look at. And so, you know, when a course is added onto Udemy itself, we have some basic quality metrics like audio quality, video quality, does it meet those basic requirements? And then from there, we let the marketplace decide. So we want the learners around the world to actually tell us and rate and review the content and give us reviews on, hey, this was really, really useful. This helped me, you know, get this promotion that I was looking for. This helped me learn this new skill. Um, And that sort of increases the quality bar for specific courses. Um, On the business side, so we look at 150,000 courses. There are a couple of of ways that we curate it. Number one, we're looking at ratings and reviews. So we have like a threshold that we look at in terms of how many ratings, how many reviews this course has had. We want to make sure it's been vetted by a lot of people on the platform and that they've actually gotten results out of it. Um, The second thing we do is we actually have a content strategy team at Udemy, and that strategy team is constantly looking at trends in the market, in industries, what are those top 
courses or topics or skills that people um, want in demand. They're also talking to a lot of our customers, um, attending a lot of events. And then that feeds into, okay, these are the courses um, and the topics that we need to make sure we cover as part of this business collection. And um, on average, every single month, we're adding close to 80 to 100 new courses into Udemy for Business. And then we're actually removing anywhere from like 50 to 70 courses every single month wow. as well. Okay. Because we really, you know, want to make sure that that content is as fresh as possible. Um, so many times I've talked to people and they're like, oh, I still have this Windows 95 course, you know, in this catalog. <laughs> And, you know, we, you can't have people searching or you can't have that show up in search. No. Um, so the curation process is something that to be we fair though, the ni- windows 95, there might still be some companies yeah. out there using yeah. it. There, there yeah. might, I, I'm not saying, I'm just saying there might. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we take the curation process, like you mentioned, really seriously. It's it's core to um, one of our value propositions on the business side, that quality, making sure that um, learners have, have gotten results out of it. And then I would say, like, the last piece that we look at at a very, very high level is the instructor's reputation. Okay. So, you know... Is the instructor responding to students um, in their Q&A section, you know, quickly? Is the instructor um, updating their course on a regular basis? Uh, Those are things that we look at to also gauge quality. And all of those things essentially determine how we select content um, and bring it over to the business collection. To your second question um, of like, hey, what happens if, you know, there's a course that, a company wants and it's not part of the collection. So in those situations, we do work with those companies okay. and we, we work with them to understand like, okay, what it is, what is it that you're looking for? Yeah. More often than not, we actually don't have that situation come up very often because for the most part, most of the topics and skills are covered in that 4,000-ish yeah. Um, and then a lot of times too, companies are like, Hey, I really want this, you know, course on the latest, like iOS version. We're like, Hey, that's great. Like we're, it's already going to be coming out like in the next like week or two. So we have like a roadmap essentially of content that we're also keeping track of. Um, we have like relationships with a lot of our, um, best instructors and they're the ones who are like, Oh yeah, I'm like getting ready to like release this new course on like this new, you know, project management certification. We're like, this is awesome because there's an update. You have a request that's coming or somebody asking about it and you can stay in front of it. Okay. So there's a big relational piece between you and the, and the, instructors in many regards that helps keep that organic. Okay. So hopefully Dina, Dina actually, I had asked that question and then I looked and Dina had actually asked the same question. So hopefully Dina, that answers your question about, right. The quality control side of things on, on the topic though, I am actually just curious on the consumer side, it makes sense to me on the business side, right? There's more of this, but on the consumer Mm -hmm. side, do you, I mean, have, have there ever been instances where something's popped up and you've just said, Nope. <laughs> like this is just not even going to, this is not even going to be a course or on the consumer side. Does it kind of say, well, you know what the courses are the courses. It's only really at the business side where we're really going to put that to the test. Um, I mean, I would say uh, the consumer side, obviously like, you know, illegal content on <laughs> how to hack into the yeah, <laughs> like on, that. On illegal topics. And we have, we have a whole stream of like legal policies. Okay. 
that, you know, is kind of like that first line of, of defense, essentially, like that is not going to fly on you to me. But you know, hey, if you want to create a course on like, uh, we had a course, there was a course on cat, there is a course on cat pumping, um, which essentially wow. is like a therapeutic massage that you can give to your cat. Um, so, you know, there's, we want that, we want that diversity on Udemy. It's, it makes the marketplace stronger and it allows for people, you know, on the marketplace and specifically, a lot of times people are looking for like hobby courses or they're looking to like pass the time. Piano playing is like one of the top courses. Uh, a lot of the time, uh, if you look at the consumer data, which is really interesting. So, um, we want that to thrive on Udemy and, you know, surprisingly, enough a lot of companies we talk to you know they obviously don't want you know people on their teams like spending time taking a <laughs> cat pumping course so that's not part of the business collection but you know that personal development aspect of like mental health wellness like yoga courses um and especially with covid happening we're looking at more courses that um, enable like work from home um situations so like virtual uh working as well as you know how do you balance things like family and work at the same time so yeah. it's great that we have that breadth to choose from from the marketplace on the consumer side and then we can bring in what's relevant and what's trending um and make sure that companies and employees have access to all okay. of that so on that topic this is an interesting one and over the years i've i've gone back and forth with organizations and business leaders on this topic, because there is this fine line between, okay, we, I don't necessarily want employees spending all their time learning how to cat pump or, you know, bake bread or garden. But at the same time, sometimes there are some interesting insights and there is something about employees feeling like companies are investing in their development, regardless of what that development looks like. So I have to imagine there has to be a little bit of a balancing act that you walk with Udemy, Udemy, sorry, Udemy for business around, okay, we, we may not throw in gardening. However, let's not limit this just to very specific stereotypical business topics. And, and I, I mean, I have to imagine there are some of those in there, correct? There, there definitely are, um, and it is a balance. And I would say majority of the collection on the Udemy for Business side is in those, you know, in-demand skill areas like Excel, analytics, data science, artificial intelligence, you know, technology, and then um, especially on the soft skills um, side, you know, um, emotional intelligence, how to deliver feedback, how to have a productive meeting, especially in a remote environment. So that makes up the majority. But we do have, I would say, a growing um, collection in that personal development category. And it is, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you want well-rounded employees. Yeah. You want to be able to, especially now, address the needs of the entire employee. That's not just like, hey, you got to know that how to run a pivot table in Excel, but also like I need to make sure that you're mentally strong enough to be able to, you know, continue to, to do your job and, and lead a team. Um, 
So it's important for us to make sure that we're taking that into account. Um, And a lot of leaders, you know, we've also seen a shift, like in the last couple of years that I've been at Udemy, a lot of companies, you know, before were like, oh, I don't really want all this, you know, personal development stuff in there. Now they are asking us for it. Like, hey, like we want more wellness courses and, um, you know, balance courses, like um, posture. We have a course on like how to, you know, like sit in your chair the right way when you're working from home. So a lot of those things, I think um, now companies appreciate more and they recognize as being really, really important to um, maintaining productivity and engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's, it's a shift I've also seen. So it's, and that's where my next question kind of goes into some of the trends and analytics you're seeing, which a couple of questions have come in. So those of you who are, who are asking questions, don't worry, I'm seeing them. I'll, I'll bring them in. Um, along the way, because one of the ones Boss asked about earlier was the analytics side. So I'll, I'll ask a couple follow-up questions on this, is when it comes to that analytics, part of the reason I think some of those courses that may fall outside the realm of very tactical, hard skill things do add value tremendously, especially if you have the analytics behind it, because you can start to see into your organization, right? Where where are some of the gaps? What are people hungry for? What are they not hungry for? Where do we have skills that maybe we didn't realize we had skills that allows you to think about it from a broader talent strategy? So the question from Boss is on the analytics side with the Udemy for Business, is that analytics built into the whole component so that you can get those insights and you can start to look at, hey, what's going on in the organization? Yeah, definitely. So the insights piece is something that we continue to make stronger all the time. Um, There's basic insights, obviously, around like, hey, consumption, um, consumption over specific time periods that you can pull. Um, You can look at engagement on mobile versus desktop. Um, And then we add in things like, okay, what are the the top topics or courses that people are learning across your company. And then you can slice and dice that data by like um, groups. So you could say like, oh, the marketing team versus the engineering team or the team in the Denver office versus the team in the San Francisco office. Um, And so a lot of those give leaders the insights that they need to understand like, okay, here's what we said we were was important for our company to achieve this year in terms of what skills you know this team or all employees need to know here's what it looks like in terms of actual engagement and usage here's how it breaks down by team and then here are some of the other behaviors that occurred alongside that and then they use that essentially to either coach um, managers or coach other, you know, training and development professionals within the company, or they use it to like further emphasize or market essentially um, their learning and development programs internally so that they do ultimately achieve whatever outcome it is that they're trying to achieve. So we, we do have, we have, I think like four or five different like analytics reports that people can look at. And we also look at it like from a funnel point of view. So if you look at how many licenses did you purchase? How many of those licenses are actually getting used today? By who are they getting used by? How do you want to send reminders to those people to make sure that they actually claim their license? How many people are logging in on a regular basis? How many minutes, you know, on average? And then we also have a section that allows you to actually see like your top learners, um, reward them, you know, um, uh, have them be your evangelists within the company. Okay. So the the data pieces is, is really important. I would say 
My second answer to that is sort of, you know, we take data very seriously at Udemy and we use the data to make the product experience better. And so what I mean by that is because, you know, if you think of Udemy.com, the consumer side, 150,000 courses, over 50 million people around the world are learning from that content. And Udemy truly is a global company. We have, you know, we cover hundreds of different languages um, and we have students all around the world that that um, are learning on Udemy. And so we use all of that data to actually see, okay, what are people in Germany learning, for example? What are the top 10 courses, skills that they're learning versus what is that look like compared to the US. And then depending on who you are as a learner, we want to make sure we're delivering as personalized of a learning experience to you as possible. So we use that data to like feed into essentially our backend algorithms to then recommend to you new courses, new topics, new skills. I was actually, that that was one of the, so what you said opened up a whole bunch of questions for me, but one of them was going to be is that some of the things that you're either already doing today or continuing to do that is being able to use machine learning to help kind of help people understand and navigate this space, yeah. you know, to be able to find things that are relevant to them or things that they may be, you know, finding value in versus just, wow, holy moly, this is a library of stuff. On the licensing piece, then the way, clarify if I'm understanding this right or if I'm understanding it wrong. So if somebody has a Udemy license, they have unlimited access to the content. It's not a it's not a consumption by course, correct? Yeah. Okay. So you if you're an organization, you purchase Udemy for business, you designate that you want, you know, 5,000 people these 5,000 people to get access to it. They can log in whenever they want. Take as many courses as they want. They can take the same course over and over again if they want. You can download it offline for like, you know, viewing if you're well, you're not traveling anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but before I didn't you, travel before anyway, before so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> or on an airplane where the internet access was bad. You know, a lot of people yeah. use their mobile devices to to learn. So, um, yeah. Okay. So on the on the topic side, because Julie asked this question, and I'm curious in the conversations I have with learning leaders from across companies. I am starting to hear trends and things that really are big things, but I'm curious if you're seeing, you know, from a data standpoint, what are some of the topics, you know, in Udemy for business that really, are you seeing trends of things that are boiling to the top? What are those? And are there any that just surprised you that you went, oh, wow, I wasn't necessarily expecting yeah. that? Um, it's really interesting. It changes all the time. And especially okay. with COVID, it's changed a lot. So um, across Udemy, like, overall huge increase in consumption and engagement with learning right um on the business side specifically we're seeing anywhere from like 80 percent or higher increase in how companies and employees are actually using udemy today so there's a large increase in consumption um major topics i think topics that are are probably ones that you guys would be familiar with uh telecommuting obviously started rising up to the top that wasn't imagine. there before. <laughs> Virtual teams, I think, increased by like 1,500%, which is crazy. Um, things like self-discipline, uh, mm-hmm. like by another 200%. So it's really interesting to see like the courses that people start um, enrolling in and actually start engaging in. Um, and then I think one of, one of the interesting ones... I think self-discipline is actually really, really interesting. We've also seen, um, I mentioned before, like uh, 
uh, email writing, like written communication, how to be like an email ninja. We have that as a course and that is that was always popular, but it's like increased Especially with that title, right? I mean, that's a, that's a clear like good marketing right there. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, typically on Udemy, we do see a lot of people coming to Udemy for technical um, upskilling okay. and that continues to be the case, but we've seen a huge surge in the demand for like leadership skills and personal development and communication skills. So, you know, people are really looking for help in managing and influencing others. How do I deliver feedback more effectively? Okay. Um, how can I work remotely and balance that? And so that's been, yeah, really interesting for us to yeah. see. The human skills I have to imagine are, are, really rising to the surface on the hard skilled size, technical skills. I'm curious if not so much, what are they? Cause that would be a conversation that, that probably everyone would go. I, uh, that's so varied, but I, I would guess, and maybe this gets into your competitive differentiator is with as many people as you have out there, as many different course content stuff that you've got going, are you able, would you say you've been able to kind of almost predict some trends in terms of, things like that, that you're seeing bubble up. And I guess that gets to one of the questions Dina asked. It's one that you know, I personally always ask whenever I'm talking to somebody is how, because you're, you are a content provider is a big part of that. Yeah. It's not the only content provider. You're the biggest, but what are some of those key differentiators? And I guess that kind of ties into that ability to almost see the future, which is a little bit of the, the topic that we went on to. Yeah. So that was a big question. Um, it's a big topic and you know, it is, it's the reason why a lot of people buy you to me. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the future anymore. I think COVID like definitely slapped all of us in the face with that. Um, but you know, even before COVID happened, you, you can't really any, you cannot predict anymore what skill is going to be the top like tech skill or the top soft skill <laughs> in the next three to six months because everything is changing so quickly. Um, in marketing, you know, in my my field of marketing alone, there are over 6,000 marketing technologies that you can use today for like marketing automation and all these like other things. And, you know, just a couple of years ago, that number was like 200. Wow. So all of the industries and job roles are experiencing something like that. And that's essentially why Udemy was, was created the way that it was. Because we have these experts around the world that are incentivized and invested in creating the highest quality, most up-to-date content that they can, because when they do that, people respond, they buy their courses, they engage with their content, and both parties are rewarded ultimately. And these are people around the world that they're, they're, they have credentials. We have professors on the platform. We have people... Um, who teach at other, you know, universities or schools. We have people who have made this their full-time jobs. Okay. Um, but the the best thing is that we don't require, no one's required to have a PhD in order to teach like a web development course. Um, we really want the market to decide and for the market to tell us. And so that's really, really interesting. And that comes through the ratings and reviews from our students I think the instructors themselves, because they're so invested in their topic areas, whatever it might be, they are the ones that are being forward looking and they're saying like, hey, actually, like I'm seeing, you know, a lot of okay. a lot of people demand this topic. And so 
I need to make sure that I update my course or that I prepare for this next thing. Um, and so a lot of times on Udemy, uh, you can come to Udemy and we will have courses on topics that you've never heard of before. And they'll start surging like six months later or sometimes even a year later. So that's what companies come to us for. They know that we're always going to have a course on a specific topic. If it's surging, it will definitely be there. Even if it's not surging yet, it is likely there already because of our instructor network and because those instructors are so good at what they do. Um, And so I can't say that Udemy has a crystal ball. We don't, but we we do have an engine. We have a marketplace that encompasses kind of all of the trends and demands that are happening, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And that ultimately feeds into what makes the business collection that we offer for companies so strong. Yeah. Well, and when you hit on that, it was one of the things when I first, so I'm familiar with your product just from my own personal use, but also, um, you know, as I was talking to you about being on the show or the team about being on the show, it is a unique component of it in that to some degree as an instructor, it's almost like playing the stock market, right? It's all, in some ways, it's like you want, you're incentivized to be ahead of the curve, and to stay ahead of the curve, because if you make the right bets, you keep your content on the forefront. It's a smart investment because now you're driving traffic to your courses, which is ultimately what you want. So there is an incentive to be the best, the most up-to-date, the highest quality of stuff in order to, to be on the front end of that curve. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. So then on this one, just to kind of level set from a course stand. Well, so then before I go to that, on the instructor side... Are there requirements to be an instructor? Do you, I mean, are there some baseline requirements? So literally anybody could create a course. Anyone can create anything. And then, you know, we have those content quality um, policies and rules that we put in place. And then additional, like um, additional curation metrics that we take into account to to ensure content quality. Yeah. What's interesting about it is, uh, and I've I've been on different different settings where the arguments gone different ways. But what's interesting and something I think our industry can learn from the model you've set up is sometimes when it comes to internal stuff, right? I think about w- when we try and curate content on the inside. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's this concern of well, wh- we don't want to let everybody create content because what if they create content and it's not perfect? My personal perspective on that is. So be it. And the times I've actually pulled that off, the people actually are better at policing. I mean, you have to have some basic guidelines and it sounds like that's right where you've established, look, we're not going to let bad, incorrect stuff in here. There's just a, a baseline stuff. But as long as it meets that baseline, let it happen. And then let's let the market tell us what's good and what's bad and use that as valuable insights instead of trying to make everybody do everything a certain way. So. Yeah. It's it's interesting you've done that at, at such a huge scale. We've done it at a large scale, and you know it it only works if you if you um, build off of that strategy throughout all of your your product strategy and your business strategy, right? So if if Udemy were to stop there, that wouldn't be enough. We we also are looking at you know best content rises to the top. Best content appears in the search results, you know, at the top, if you think of like Google search. Yeah. Um, 
And then the way that we help people discover courses and like search for content um, uh, is heavily influenced by, you know, that backend algorithm of like, okay, how good is this course? How relevant is this instructor? Um, and then we're also tracking <clears throat> trending topics and skills. So 50 million people on the platform searching for things all the time. We actually track all of that. What is search behavior? What topics are they looking for? And that actually goes into um, a tool that we offer to instructors. It's our Marketplace Insights tool. And it essentially allows any instructor to log in and they can essentially search for certain topics that they might be interested in teaching something on, okay. or they might just want to see like, what are the top searched um, terms over the last, you know, X period of days. And that also gives them data to be able to say like, okay, you know, if I'm going to create a course on Udemy, looks like <clears throat> this new like Django course, or, you know, people are really looking for like how to create uh, an engaging um, interactive uh, meeting remotely. So, okay. you know, also for the instructors, there's some insights for them too, that, Hey, if you're going to do something, here are some of the things that, that we need to do. It's, it's an interesting, and I have to imagine it's disrupt. Well, it is disruptive in the sense you're really democratizing yeah. content creation. And the thing I'm curious, and I don't know if you have a specific example, but I think of it, an analogy that comes to mind for me is I have to imagine you know, there've been some like diamonds in the rough, right? A person that didn't have all the big cred, they didn't have the big background and turns out they're incredible on a topic that just blows up that nobody would have ever found them. Nobody would have ever realized that they were such an expert or so fantastic at teaching something. Is, have you seen any of those where you went, wow. Oh, so many. Um, and it's amazing. You know, I think that's one of the things that I love so much about Udemy is the stories of the instructors. I mean, the student stories obviously are like very inspiring and the company stories that we see are very inspiring. Um, but because we're talking about instructors right now, their stories are so inspiring, you know, um, so many instances of these diamond in the rough instructors who nobody had heard of before and they blew up on Udemy. Um, and they're some of the most gifted uh, instructors that I've ever seen. And so uh, I can name a couple, but like Jose Portilla is one of our top like technical instructors. Kirill Aramico is another one. You've probably never heard of them before. We don't teach at, you know, Stanford or Harvard, um, but they've taught millions of students around the world how to program or how to get certification in a specific, um, you know, AWS certification, for example. Okay learning data science for the first time. Um, and so there's so many of those types of, of stories. We have um, we have instructors on our platform that are brain surgeons that also, you know, teach uh, a Udemy course on the side as well. Um, we have, you know, instructors on our platform that have made enough money to, to buy their fiance a wedding ring, you know, so it ranges. Cool story. Yeah. And obviously the top instructors, like they've made um, companies out of it now, you know, they wow. said like you teaching on Udemy is my, my thing to do. And I'm going to expand the topics and the and that's skills. how they built their brand to some regards. Yeah. 
Okay. The students look to them. Our learners are looking to them and companies are also looking to them, you know, for their expertise. We, we actually um, showcase them in a lot of our webinars that we do um, for Udemy for Business. A lot of events that we do, we'll bring them on stage to talk about certain topics and make sure that we're educating, um, you know, L&D leaders, HR leaders, IT leaders on like, hey, here's what a top expert in their field is seeing and here are the trends and here are the skills that he's saying or she's saying um, people need to know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's cool because again, there's nothing being an expert in your field is not necessarily right. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to do, but yeah. it's also amazing how sometimes it's people that don't have all the credentials, all the things that sometimes can just tell the stories and share things in a way that's completely different that resonates with with other people. So the ability to kind of have both of those and bring those together and say, Hey, it doesn't really matter who you are, bring your expertise and share it with the world and let the world, <laughs> let the world tell you whether you're really an expert or valuable. And or you think about like, how do you often learn things in the workplace? You know, you, you turn to the person sitting next to you and you're like, Hey, you're really good at this. Can you help me? Um, and so it's, it's really that same, it's that same, um, intent where you're allowing people who have knowledge to share to be able to share that with the world and okay. then help you know allow the world to gain access to that and that's okay. essentially what we're doing okay well and that i've got a very tactical question and i'll I, i'll jump to something else here but i i i think julie julie asked a question i think we answered it which she'd asked you know do you find most of your courses are created by SMEs or l d professionals it sounds like it's it's really everybody. I mean, there's, do you see trends in terms of who's creating it or for the most part, is it all over the board? No, I mean, it's, it's really anybody. I mean, a lot of times the people that um, find the most success on the platform are people who have deep expertise in a particular area. And so, um, you know, a lot of times those are subject matter experts, but, you know, as I mentioned, um, I think previously, as an L&D practitioner, you can add courses to your own proprietary instance of Udemy for Business for your employees to access themselves. If you want to also create a course on Udemy, um, for example, our VP of Learning and Development, Shelly Osborne, she's awesome. Um, she's created a lot of courses um, that are for Udemy employees, but we've actually made them available for free to anyone to take okay. content or courses um, on those topics like delivering feedback, um, working from home. And so she's an L&D practitioner that has now made her courses available on udemy.com as well. Okay. Um, and before she was charging for them, but now, you know, with COVID, we're offering them for free for anybody. So there is a lot of opportunity here. Um, and sometimes people just want to do it because they enjoy teaching and yeah. they enjoy interacting with with learners around the world. Um, and sometimes, you know, people are looking to start a new career. So it yeah. really varies a lot. And that's what we, before we went live, we talked about this a little yeah. bit was the fact that, you know, right now, I think a lot of people in L&D are, are going through a little bit of an identity crisis as this whole digital transformation was happening, but then just got completely blown up with COVID. And, and I do think it's a unique opportunity for people to put the skills that they've crafted over the years yeah. and apply it in a different way, you know, and honestly, to some regards to make it be a personal benefit for your own personal brand, things like that. So definitely some creative things on the very tactical on an instructor side. 
do you pay to be part of the platform um, or is it a pay for consumption of things? I mean, how does that work? Yeah. Um, so on the instructor side, you add your course to Udemy, you okay. set a price. Um, <clears throat> and then depending on how many on the, on the consumer main consumer marketplace, people yeah. have to buy courses individually. So you yeah. buy, you know, this course, this course, this course, and each one's priced individually. Um, and so if you're an instructor and you actually, um, opt into Udemy marketing. So we market a lot of these courses to the 50 million plus, you know, students on the platform. Um, and if you want to get visibility, you can opt into our marketing services. And in, in that case, the revenue share is pretty much 50-50. So the instructor gets 50% of any sale. Udemy gets 50% of any sale. Um, as an instructor, you can also opt out of any marketing, in which case most of that sale dollars goes directly to you we take out some you like, got to build your audience <laughs> that but otherwise like it goes to you um so it's not consumption based um at all on the main marketplace it's just purely pure revenue okay. how, many, how many sales do you have and then we take a percentage okay. but there's not a cost to entry like hey if you're going to create courses we just charge x amount to create a course no i mean minus like you know the cost i would say is like your the time that you spend to create it any resources you need to actually create content. I mean, yeah, there's, there's that whole component, but yeah. the platform actually has the tools to develop the course. Yes. I mean, you got to have some other we stuff. Have, yeah. We have the course creation platform that all instructors use to create their, their content and add it to Udemy. And that's where they can add in, you know, like it's all video based, obviously, but you can add in like supplemental materials. You can add in quizzes, you can add in exercises, uh -huh. articles, that you want people to read. And then we offer that same course creation platform to companies. Okay. So companies can use the same. Okay. And then on the company side, so if you're if you have the ability then to create courses, because then this moves from just a content hookup to actually also potentially a content creation tool that you can use internally to be able to do that, um, which which opens it up to a new category, I think, in terms of the ecosystem. But on top of that, then that if you create internal content, because I'm sure from a compliance standpoint, there's going to be people that are like, what? We can't have our content out there. It's not going out to the marketplace. No, 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 no. Okay. It's proprietary to um, that particular organization only okay. um, and to those employees. So it's completely, totally separate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then the one other question I have. So obviously, if you can create your own content, then you can create as it can be as customized as you want if you can develop it yourself. I am curious. One of the things I find with content is there seems to be this kind of push of, well, can we customize it? Can we not? Is it too off the shelf? Things like that. Since the instructors really own the courses, that that content belongs to them. So how have you seen organizations where maybe they say, hey, this is a really good piece of content, but we also want to maybe augment it with something else to really give it our own company. How, how are people doing that? Yeah. A lot of companies um, use the content as part of a larger learning initiative or learning okay. program. So a lot of companies have like badges programs where they're, they're using Udemy content primarily to certify people and get them to attain specific badges or badging levels. And then they also, you know, add in obviously proprietary like company content into that as well. Um, I mentioned earlier, like our learning paths feature with learning paths, you can actually mix and match different parts of courses together. And then you can also add in 
um, outside materials. So if you have uh, maybe a PowerPoint presentation that you've developed internally that is part of this new, you know, remote working learning path that you're putting together, you can add that into the learning path. If you want to link out to an article that you read, um, you can also, even though it doesn't live on Udemy, you can still host it in a learning path on uh, the Udemy for Business side, and then your your employees essentially can can go through that specific path. So okay. there are ways in which we allow people to mix and match, but we do okay. typically find that companies use the Udemy course as a foundational like skill course. Yep. Um, and then they as part of a broader as part of a broader thing. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, then the other one other question came in from Dean, and then I, I have one that I'm curious about, just from a strategic standpoint. But she was curious from a technology standpoint: is that is the technology you use? Is that something Udemy built? Right? Is this kind of your own your own kind of tech platform that you've built to to meet the needs of? this unique marketplace? Yeah, uh, it's all, we've all built it in-house. Um, so obviously the marketplace model has been built in-house. The Udemy for Business platform, the course creation platform, the data, the insights tools that we offer, all of that has been built in-house. Okay, cool. So you guys, it's all its all you. <laughs> so on the ecosystem standpoint, so two, well, actually, let me do this one because I want to get to this question and then I've got the other one and if we have time is... When it comes to content, I think sometimes where content providers get a bad rap is there's this assumption on the L&D side that, you know, or, or just corporate wide, we buy this content, we plug it in and magically, right, everybody's developing, they're all doing this stuff. And that's just not a reality. I, there, you're going to have your percentage of people that just naturally do that. They're just constantly learning. They're constantly developing things like that. But I have to imagine there's some expectations that people may have. And one of the questions that came in earlier was like, how are you marketing this to companies? So I'm really curious, how do you balance that as an organization to set realistic expectations for people while at the same time showing them the potential of what could be? Because there's tremendous potential behind it. But that doesn't just happen by by flipping a switch or signing a contract. Um, you know, if you build it, they will come. They'll come, but but you know, in order to get the real outcome, the field of dreams analogy. I think that's going to be a new L and D trend. Right? It comes up a lot. It does. <laughs> um, the most successful partnerships that we have, and the most successful customers um, that we are fortunate to service are ones that are truly invested in learning and development and they're trying their best to tie learning and development to business strategy and business goals. And so the way that we do this is we're working on additional product features to build in more robust like outcome-based metrics to help okay. L&D professionals. Um, the second major way we do this is through our customer success team. And so, you know, a lot of customer success teams at companies, I think, are more like support oriented, like, hey, I had this technical glitch. Can yeah, this course isn't working or you know, yeah. things like that. Um, we have a support team for that. Our customer success team is very focused on partnership and strategy. So when you sign on as a customer, it's always or even before you sign on as a customer, it's what are your needs? What are the problems you're trying to solve? What are the programs that you're trying to run? And we will come up and work with you on a partnership strategy to, you know, create the ultimate onboarding plan, launch plan, adoption plan um, to help you achieve those goals.
goals. And so it's the strategy partnership there, I think, that ends up creating a lot of amazing results. We did a, an ROI like report study with IDC and a lot of those companies, obviously they're, they're outlier companies for sure, but they're companies that invested and partnered with us um, in the most productive way possible. And they saw, you know, sometimes over 800% in just like in ROI. So productivity, time savings, cost savings, like all of it. And that's um, things you do, that's part of the model that you bring with that is it's not just a, yeah. you're bringing that to the table with that. Yeah. You sign on as a business customer and you, um, you get a dedicated customer success manager and that person is there to really work with you um, every step of the way to help you help you see as much success out of this product as possible. We do a lot of marketing things too, but the marketing things we do are more at scale. So, you know, my team will sort of um, <clears throat> step in and help with um, some um, marketing onboarding programs, um, delivering like course recommendations to you that you can deliver to your learners, um, you know, education of new product features. We'll do that um, in mass as well. But then your, your customer success manager is really there to kind of tailor tailor the experience to you, make sure that they understand what your needs and use cases okay. are, and then address those. And is that something, because one of the things I think that a lot of times when people are looking to where we want to build a development culture, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, is the amount of time that goes into that. Right. It's this is you're this is a marathon, not not a sprint. And right. with that, is that support there throughout? So because inevitably, right, it may start strong here. Business business environments might change. You may have a specific set of you know goals you're trying to achieve that you didn't have before. And now you're saying, hey, our, our strategies pivoted a bit. Is that support a sustainable thing that's that's in part of it? Definitely. I mean we we want to maintain a close relationship with all of our our customers because the feedback is really important to us we do we also do a lot of like product beta programs so you know we want to give customers first access to give us feedback on a new product feature we might be testing out um and getting that level of information and feedback is so important as inputs for us as we're kind of advancing and developing our our product and our services it would be I won't say that we have, you know, that day-to-day -day interaction with. <laughs> well, yeah, right. You got other things. that makes sense. But but you know, we do like executive business reviews. Okay. We share with them like more data and insights that they might not be able to pull on their end, but we can pull on our end. Okay. Um, we have like. A How about like topic-wise? If you're like, hey, here's a specific thing. Can you help us figure out? Like what is the content that really can help us drive drive that behavior? Yeah, we use um, we do a lot of customer advisory boards. So we do a lot of like customers connecting with other customers too is something that we love to facilitate. And we also do a lot of events um, in that sense. So like bringing the community together, you talk about a specific, you know, topical area that is top of mind for you. So when when COVID first happened, it was like, okay, how do I switch to a completely like remote new employee onboarding experience and what does that look like so we hosted you know an event around that and a discussion so <clears throat> it's definitely something that we we learn so much from our customers um and we also want to take all of those learnings and then package them and deliver them to the rest of our customer base as well and that comes through in a lot of the programs that we do a lot of the marketing programs that we do a lot of the events that we okay. do
So there's, they're really, and, and I, I guess I could have retitled the show had, had we had this conversation ahead of time, right? But this, this really, it's, it's content, it's the technology behind it, but it's also community. I mean, what I'm hearing you say is the community, both within the instructors, within the you know organizations that are working with you, you're building a community around this stuff that's not just with this one organization or, you know, here's this piece. Yeah. That network, that network is so, so important. Um, Cause if you do everything in a silo and you don't actually like talk to people and connect to people and hear what their, their true needs are, you know, we're not doing our job. Um, We're not, we don't like to see ourselves. Obviously I don't think any, any vendor doesn't like to see themselves as just a vendor, but like really like we're, we're not just a vendor. We are here to invest in long-term relationships and partnerships. We're here to help bring learning forward. And especially in a time like this where, you know, digital transformation, future of work, all of those conversations have been accelerated um, to a new level. It makes something like Udemy and the partnership that we have with companies, I think even more important. Okay. Well, I don't think, I don't think being a vendor, right. And I, and I see what you're getting at, right. You don't want to think of yourself as just a vendor. This is something, and it's part of why I started this show is the fact that I feel like the vendor thing, it, it gets a bad rap, like, oh, vendors, they're, they're over. And there is a little bit of an us, them in the industry. I don't think there needs to be. I think vendors acting the way you're talking about, that's a strategic partnership. The vendor size, yes, you're a vendor in that you're providing a service to us or or a product to us. But when you're doing it right, that's just what, to me, a vendor relationship should look like regardless. It's not, it's not a bad thing. And I think there's tremendous opportunity for us on the practitioner side to do more to engage and partner with vendors in that capacity. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you think about it, like you're spending this money, you spend all this time evaluating providers, then you spend money, you sign on the dotted line. A lot of times, you know, that's the end of the relationship until, you know, the company goes wrong wrong or the company pings you for renewal. Um, But you know, that's not what we're here for. Like we, we're more, we want to do more than that. And that was how we built this, this business and the team. And so um, that's, what's ultimately going to make the relationship make it work. Yeah. Make it work. Yep. So. And I think fundamentally the things you talked about at the end here, it's, there's two mindset. It's one mindset shift, but it's, it's one mindset shift that I see it playing out in two ways. One, it's changing the mindset you have to vendors, right? It's not just a consumer, right? We consume and that's it. And until we need to consume more of that, that's a fundamental mindset shift, but it also goes back to what you talked about of taking advantage of that community piece requires shifting the mindset of, I need to step out of just my silo and looking at the day-to-day of what we're doing and saying, hey, we shouldn't fear collaborating outside our company walls and our boundaries. In fact, we should embrace it. And i that's one of the big trends I'm seeing with technology from a democratization of a lot of things. It's actually breaking down a lot of silos and giving us a lot of insights, which for some is terrifying, right? Some people are a little nervous by it. To me, I think it's a huge opportunity. It is. It is. Okay. Well, this is, I, I told you we would run out of time before the, the other question I was going to ask, and maybe if you can do the 30 second answer to this one is from a integration standpoint. And like I said, the very quick, quick way of doing it, because otherwise this could be a whole nother episode in and of itself, yeah. but when organizations, how are they doing it at a high level? Are they integrating it into their 
existing ecosystem of things? Are they kind of just bouncing it out? Is it its own thing? Very quickly. Um, very quickly. Depends on size of company. Okay. So smaller, mid-sized companies, Udemy is typically the sole provider and the the like main avenue in which um, they're delivering learning and development. For a lot of larger companies, you have multiple providers. And so it's part of a larger ecosystem where we integrate then with like your LMS, if that's the strategy. Um, but we've also had a lot of large companies that didn't find success in the LMS because people didn't go there for yeah. learning. And they just kept going to like Udemy on their own. Okay. So they separated it out. So it really depends. Okay. Um, but I would say it's, yeah, it depends on company size and then your, your strategy. Okay. Yeah. And I won't, I won't dig into the technical stuff. So don't, <laughs> don't worry. And we're, we're at time anyway. So honestly, this has been, this has been fantastic, Yvonne. I appreciate you being here. It was great. Even just for my, myself to just dig into this a little deeper than I had in the past. And I appreciate, you know, your, your transparency and the conversation. I think, I think we answered all the questions that came in throughout. Um, if not, you know, definitely we'll we'll comment and and I'll tag in people along the way if there's any other ones or if people are watching or listening after the fact, you can always tag us and things like that and we'll chime in. But this has been fantastic. I hope you have a phenomenal rest of your afternoon and uh, thanks for being here and thanks for the time. Thanks everybody for watching too. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Christopher. It was a great conversation. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye.